You are listening to the Life After Infidelity podcast, a podcast designed to help women who have been cheated on heal from anger, shame, sadness, and confusion so they can heal, reclaim their power, and live the life of their dreams. You will leave each episode with a heart of comfort, knowing you are not alone in your struggle and empowered to make informed decisions about your relationships moving forward. Because whether you choose to leave or stay after infidelity, both decisions will be hard, and I'm here to help you navigate your heart. All righty, welcome back to my beautiful viewers. Um, it's another episode of Life After Infidelity, a podcast that uh, I created um, to help people remove the shame of their decision to stay or leave after they found out that their partner has cheated on them. And so I'm super excited today. Um, actually got uh, connected with this amazing person um, through um, some friends and colleagues. And um, I'm just excited for us to even jump into this conversation. And so uh, before we even get started, Dr. Lee, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I am excited, Bree. I, I think we had such a good interaction. I'm curious to see where our time today takes us. I know, yes, and it's gonna be good today. So I'm <laughs> excited. <laughs> it is, it really is. But before we um get started, um, I'm gonna let you just kind of introduce yourself to my audience and tell them a little bit about yourself and the work that you're doing. No problem. Um, so I'm a, a licensed um, psychologist, um, sort of certified as school psychologist. Just finished my program for um, clinical psychopharmacology. So I'm on my way to prescription privileges. So I've been doing this work um, for um, probably close to 20 years now. I think for me, in terms of my experience, it's been um, sort of work with um, sort of I guess yeah, everybody, to be honest, I work from geriatrics to children, um, do a lot of couple work. Um, and so I think when we were talking about a lot of your topics, it's really been intriguing to me, particularly in terms of relationship work. And I've been tapped lately um, around themes and topics around dating. Mm -hmm. And so where we're at with sort of just that interaction and, and it's multi-generational at this point. So, yeah. you know, I'm glad to deepen those conversations and um, have touch points um, when possible. So thank you for having me. Yeah, no, thank you for um, even having your team reach out or even considering having a conversation with me. Um, and I know that you as well have started like a podcast and a segment. Um, and what what is that called? Your podcast? Oh, called? okay. Yes. Thank you. I see you. you <laughs> love you because I guess I, I forgot to do that too. So thank you. Um, so that's, that's how new I am at this. So yeah, we've um, actually started, it's the Built For Collective. Um, and so that's uh, really right now um, a journey on social media where we're looking for sort of life-minded sort of education posts and really encouraging people to think about everything from relationships to social development. Um, I'm actually sort of reformulating um, sort of a current book that I co-wrote called Do What You're Built For. And now we're sort of revising it in, in terms of do what you're built for and six stages um, of purposeful living. So we're really thinking to do some strategies to help people kind of move forward and, and challenge themselves to stay unstuck and um, be their best selves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was listening, um, Dr. Lee, to one of your podcast conversations and you were just saying that, you know, it's important for men to have a safe space 
mm-hmm. come to and to, 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 to just speak or just to share their ideas, their thoughts, their vulnerabilities. And I guess I want to start there. Like what prompted you to say, hey, men need a safe space? It's, it's, well, first, I think it's um, something I've been studying probably since my dissertation days. Like, I've been really interested in male social development, um, kind of socialization practices, our emotional world, because mm-hmm. I, I talks about, um, you know, that men, you know, you hear all these stories about men are this, that, and the other. But, but what we have to think about is a complex process. We're not born a certain way. Um, I always love telling people men are, as infants are more mostly reactive than female infants. And, and then what it tends to happen is it gets socialized out. And so, so what we talk about are sort of the boy code, the playground rules, the things that all we, you know, men, we learn so we don't cry. Yeah. You know, somebody hits you, you hit them back. Mm-hmm. You know, what are the emotions that are safe? Anger, mm-hmm. you know. It, and so I think it, it it becomes this sort of thread where what we're finding is men need spaces to be vulnerable and still feel masculine. Because yeah. I think when we talk about some feelings that we feel are feminine, and I'll tell people there's no masculine or feminine emotion. It's just emotions. Yeah. But for men, it's really trying to, you know, sort of deprogram and reprogram um, an emotional space. And with that, it's not something you could just do sort of out there in the public. Sometimes they, they have to be in position and, and also know they won't be judged, devalued, emasculated, um, having or demonstrating them a broader array of emotions. And I know we're off topic of what we're going to get on today, but I want to ask this question because I've been hearing this, you know, circulating a lot uh, as far as being safe to, ha- you know, be in those spaces where they can share and be vulnerable men. Speaking of, um, do you think that that's possible for men to have that vulnerability in relationships? Because I've been hearing a lot about where people are saying most men have a closer and deeper relationship with their male counterparts than their own partner. Well, I, I would say this has a yes and <laughs> versus <laughs> one. Um, and I, I think so. First of all, to answer your question, yes, I, I think men have that capacity to to sort of have it. I think with men, you know, uh, with their peers as well as romantic relationships, I think what has to happen, and I and I want to shift, you know, this language from safe to a brave space, um, because nobody can guarantee safety. You know, yeah. that's yep. realistic. Yep. However, you can guarantee a space where you can show up and be yourself. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what I'm as a brave space. I think it, it's and it's not to say in all male peer relationships, men feel safe to be who they are because they can get rejected by their peers if they don't sort of fit in. So if, if men have those types of relationships where they could be authentic and their true selves with another man, I'm like, great, keep it going, deepen it. Um with romantic relationships, I think what ends up happening is the socialization rules. So it goes back to what happens if my man is showing me that he's vulnerable? Can I still see him as a man? Trust mm. my partner to see me as a man if I'm in a vulnerable space. Mm. Um, and I think that's the part where I think sometimes it can get, um, you know, sort of confusing for people because it, it goes back to when I'm feeling insecure, am I still valued? Yeah. And yeah. I think that's what plays out. And then it, even in, you know, parent relationships, it's like if I'm insecure, will my buddies, you know, my ride or die still be supportive mm-hmm. and, and shore me up? And, and I think everybody needs that, not just men. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's really, really good. And one of the reasons why I wanted to ask you that question was because, you know, my thing is I want to create a safe space for women who've been cheated on because there's so much stigma and shame. And then also culturally, um, you know, different races don't necessarily talk talk about like infidelity and things like that when it happens. And so when I heard you say that you are wanting to create a safe space for men, I think that it's important for me to let all audiences know um, the premise of really the work that I do with women is teaching them how to first cultivate that relationship with themselves mm-hmm. so that they can then go out and create healthy relationships mm-hmm. with male counterparts. Because I think when you and I were talking the last time, we were like, there's this missing piece um, of communication between both parties. We both have mm-hmm. desires and wants and needs, but somehow we're not, you know what I'm saying, actually mm-hmm. communicating those um in a way that makes for a great fusion of a relationship. And I think that maybe that's what's prompted. What I wanted to talk to you today about is, you know, is commitment dead? And one of the reasons why I want to have this conversation and in particular with you is because um, this past week, I've been listening to a lot of different podcasts and so many people are coming out talking about their filing for divorce or their divorce is finalized. And I'm like, what is going on with the structure of marriage that so mm. many people are leaving? And so I guess maybe let's start off with, 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 with your perspective or your definition of defining what commitment is. You know, um, I think about it in a lot of different ways. And I think sometimes it's this idea of compatibility versus suitability. And and mine sort of talked about this. He's um, uh, Dr. Harold Arnold. He wrote a book called Marriage Rocks. And he talks about we're in a space in terms of dating where everybody thinks you have to be compatible. And and along these dimensions, whether it's, you know, social, social status, income, um, you know, professional kind of aspirations. Um, you know, we like football, you know, and people sometimes look at these data points and I'm not saying that they're not insignificant, but they become the priority. And, and what I, what I really talk to people about is commitment sometimes is suitability. It's finding that partner who's going to be more congruent sort of with your lived experience. And so, and at that point, what I mean by that, it's like the idea that, can you really be your authentic self with this person? Just because you're compatible don't necessarily mean you're going to show up as your authentic self. You you might just be focused on those dimensions. Like we want a house on the hill. We want 2.5 kids. You know, we want to make sure we have two, you know, six-figure jobs. But are you taking the time to deepen that understanding besides who is the person that I'm going to be laying with? you know, every night, you know, and and do we have shared values, beliefs, you know, what are the deal breakers, Mm -hmm. you know, because we could get along and have a good time, but then what we might find out is our core values might not be sort of the same, you know, and I could, it could be something as simple as generosity. How do we want to have, how do we want to give in relationships and how do we want to see our our couple? And I think suitability in my mind, speaks to those deeper sort of aspects where you're speaking to those values, you're speaking to those belief systems, you're talking about them, you're, you're authentic, you're real. And, and you're also looking for those moments where, you know, those compatibility points show up so you can enjoy each other, stretch each other. And, but you also see that when it is a disconnect, it doesn't mean we have to end. It means we have to work at finding some point of intersection where we all can be 
you know, happy and healthy and whole. That's good. And I've never heard it explained like that, like the suitability and compatibility. And I'm, I'm even trying to wrap my mind around it right now um, because I'm thinking, I think so many people, when they're entering the dating stage, they're looking at that compatibility. And like, I'll be honest, I'm I'm guilty of that now. Like, mm-hmm. I've even just been processing on the drive over here. Like, oh, I got to stop talking to this one guy because <laughs> we don't have the same. And it's like, but he's a very kind person. He has great morals. He has great values. He's understanding. He communicates. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, he's honest. And so I don't know, like, how can we start to maybe dissect that or like really make sure that we're not so focused on the compatibility, but really looking into that suitability. Cause that's, that's good. Mm-hmm. And I think I tell people we forget what is, you know, the purpose of dating. I, and, and I, sometimes I go back to that old fashioned word where my grandmother used to ask me, are you courting? Exactly. I'm like, and I'm looking at her like talking about courting, like, you know, and she's like, who are you courting? It's like, and I'm like, like a, I'm thinking I'm a teenager. I'm like, what does that even mean? And I, I think I had to ask, I don't know what you're talking about. And so it's like, well, who little girl you like or, you know, whatever. And and so I think we started talking about it because for her, courting versus dating meant something different. Like courting was who, who are you in relation, who are you intentionally in a relationship with? Mm-hmm. That's how I took away from my definition of courting. Dating is just, that's what it is. It's exploration. I'm just experimenting. I'm not necessarily committing. I, I think it's, it goes back to an assessment point where I'm kind of figuring it out. So going back to sort of the topic about like sort of commitment and, and even sort of kind of shifting, I think we need to use dating and courting kind of as a continuum. I think when we're sort of being more expansive, we're all dating. We're all kind of out there figuring it out. And it's more of an assessment. It's kind of like that, that looking at those two points. You know, do we have something in common? How congruent are we? And is this person, are we suited for each other? And then when you sort of do those assessments, and I tell people, you can come and go in love. You could get to know somebody and find out it ain't it. And then you just stop and go, hey, Maybe you better for my cousin over there or my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's okay. Now, if my cousin take my person, we're going to have a But then when you start shifting, and I think it, it, to the intentionality, and that's where we talk about, that's where the work of commitment starts. Now I'm being intentional because now I have to really do the work to unearth. This one, I had a colleague tell me, my good friend, she said, one guy called it, you know, when are we going to have this bone party? And what that is, is when you throw all of the, the little skeleton in the closets out and say, let's look at this. Like, are we OK with what's in each other's closets? And, oh, and wow. can we sort of kind of embrace that and sort of honor you for who you are? Because guess what? Some of those skeletons ain't going nowhere. That's that right. history that person had, they got. Yeah. You just want to make sure that how is it going to show up in the present moment so we can build the best relationship possible? Yeah, Um, because I think something else that really leads to commitment and why people are getting out of relationships at a at a higher rate right now is that inability to end it um, early on. Um, Mm -hmm. I hear so many people talk about, oh, well, I knew that this wasn't my person, but I didn't know how to get out of it. Or I knew Mm -hmm. that this was my person, but I've invested so much time. So I'm just staying there. And I mean, talk about that in terms of like commitment, like. 
what does it look like or what does it take? Because my generation, right, we're quick on ghosting. I'm guilty of that. I've done <laughs> a couple of times. <laughs> it is just easy. It's just easy to just ghost somebody and not. But maybe talk about that, too, in terms of like when you already know, because if we're now looking at suitability, compatibility, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Um mm-hmm. And now we're able to see, okay, this isn't working. How can they now move into having this very mature conversation to say, hey, it's time to end it? And you hit it on the head. It's it's just called maturity. And I think when I did this one um, sort of podcast, it was this idea of talking about situationships. And this is the kind of what I think is if we had to look at where does dating go awry and, and where we confuse courting, with something else, I would say you have to make a decision. Are you being intentional, which is courting? Like mm-hmm. I'm going to be intentional to kind of figure it out. But I think we that's where we kind of veer off into when we're not intentional or where we're sort of being either complacent. Or I tell sometimes I, I use this line, we talk ourselves out of the truth we know. Like we don't have the courage to speak it. So we know it's the truth, but we keep talking ourselves out of it. And now you're getting into the situationship experience where you're creating a situation that's inauthentic. You're not invested. You're kind of going along. And, and if that other person is really committed to you, it's sort of sad because they're in their mind, they're doing the best they can, you know, to sort of keep this relationship intact and thinking everything's going okay. And I think we, we have to understand that, you know, there is pain and loss. Mm-hmm. Like, so is over, you're going to experience some pain, even if it's the potential of, man, this could have been something. Um, Even if it's the potential of, you know, well, maybe if I'd have done something else. But I tell people, if you're focused on making sure you don't leave anything on the ground, then if you know you can leave at the end of the day without your self-esteem being attached to the outcome of that relationship, about I've done everything I could and it's still just not where it needs to be, then you should be okay with moving on and communicating that. But if you're really working harder to protect yourself from whatever that loss or rejection or abandonment issue is, then you're going to really enable, I'm not going to call it a toxic relationship, but a relationship that isn't serving to you and likely not serving to the person you are. That is so good what you said. And I really want to touch on that. But okay, I'm just going to keep on going. Do whatever you want. You know, because it's like one of the things I'm thinking is like even where you're saying where we have to ask those questions. Well, why am I holding on to this relationship? And I know, you know, so then that's where we really have to start doing that deeper work and asking those deep questions. And a lot of the times, you know, it's going to go back to the root of something, right? The root of rejection, the root of abandonment, the root of something. And so Mm -hmm. really asking those those deep questions, that's yeah, that's that's powerful. But I do want to stick on commitment, mm-hmm. Jesus. Okay, I want to okay. stick to commitment. <laughs> and I want to ask you, like, you know, in the work that you're doing and the conversations that you're having, um, have you found that commitment is becoming less valued? You know, I, I don't know if it's less valued. I think people struggle to get there. Um, and, and that's kind of how I'm assessing it. And I think in sort of the folks that I talk to, the conversations I'm having, I think it's a struggle, I think, because people are bringing a lot of their relational injuries mm-hmm. into their current experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes that becomes the filter or um, the the lens that I'm, I'm kind of viewing this other person. So it's like my history versus looking at this person in the present moment. Yeah. And, and and also because if I'm bringing my history into it, then I'm also skewing this person's behavior. I might be overreacting to things that shouldn't be overreacted mm-hmm. to. 
person, if, if y'all dating and getting to know each other, it's a constant assessment. Dating is all about calibration and recalibration. Mm-hmm. You, you know somebody, you, you get some feedback, you either motivate to change or you're not. And mm-hmm. But that's what it's about. And then sooner, if you just say, hold up, if if the what they expect from me is too much, then I got to go because I'm not, they don't motivate me enough to, to do that. So, so I, for me, I view it as people are struggling to get to that place because it's like you said earlier, it's easier to go versus easier, but versus the work of staying. And I get so many messages where people are like, well, what if, what if I want to be in a relationship? It's almost like, what if I, you know, one, the latest was, what if I, um, in an experience like Fugo the Chow, you know, the Brazilian steakhouses mm-hmm. where you get, as I say, green, mm-hmm. come get cut and red down. Some, some people want to yellow and I tell them yellow is confusing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you, it, and ambivalence means no, if you don't want to do it or you can't, or, or you're not sure, then you shouldn't set yourself up and other people for a commitment experience that you already know you're not completely invested in. Commitment requires investment. And I think people are struggling to sort of be honest with themselves. I think at times to say, am I fully ready for that moment? If you're not ready, it's okay. You do the work to get ready. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So, you know, basically, I guess what I even take from that is, you know, what you're saying, like, we really need to heal from previous relationships, because the inability to heal or the lack of healing from a previous relationship is what's preventing you from getting to that commitment piece and that authenticity in a relationship. And I love what you said, too, like having the courage to have those difficult conversations. And like you said, I think that, you know, the way society is right now, it's just it's, it's been made so much easier for us to just ghost or to just shy away from having difficult conversations opposed to actually. And, and I would say, like you say, if I had to think, you know, just people, maybe generationally, I, I would say what I, I, I think what I see that's different now versus when I was dating is that we came from a space of curiosity, mm-hmm. like who are you? Let me get to know you, mm-hmm. and it, it was the notion of possibility and hope. And and I used to tell people, you know, I, I mean, in particular, look at the elementary school or high school. You know, you know, you couldn't ghost anybody. So if you broke up with somebody <laughs> and they're going with somebody else, you you there, you looking right there. It's like it disappeared. It's like. I'm looking at, I said, so I learned early on, like, man, I love that girl, but she don't love me no more. You just had to keep moving. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think, you know, it's like, because there's so many other opportunities, I think people sort of don't have the benefit of learning to deal with those injuries, healing and moving on because you just sort of, you know, you slip back versus having to confront whatever you're dealing with. Um, And, and, you know, I, I, I think, you know, just being conscious of those moments is, mm-hmm. is going to be essential because we do need to do that work. We, yeah. we have to do that work of sort of being engaged, getting dirty. You know, yeah. it's relationship work is dirty. It's not clean. It's not sterile. It's going to be messy. And I think we have to understand that you can clean yourself off and be your best self the next time or something doesn't work out. Yeah. And I think people don't realize too, like, relationships do a lot of exposing of things that you need to work on. (laughs) And I think maybe that's too, like why it's so easy for people to run because it's harder for us to then look internally and say, okay, well, this is what's reflecting back to me from this relationship that I need to work on. And I think that, you know, as I'm just thinking now, like, Maybe that's a piece of why commitment is is it appears to be dead in my eyes is that 
people aren't wanting to take the time to actually do the work for themselves, to reflect on themselves. But most importantly, I think that people are thinking that relationships are just um, something cute just to say I have someone. And it's like I wrote down what you said in your podcast and we're going to end on this um, because you said sometimes people will want what I represent, but not what I bring. And mm-hmm. I think that too, that's I, I, like when you said that, I was like, mm, that is really, really true. You know, I was um, on a date the other day. We went on a couple of dates and then I even asked him like, what's the purpose of marriage for you? Like, what do you see as marriage? And he just said, I don't want to be alone. <laughs> you know, and I was like, wow, that's your, that's your definition of, of marriage. And so you know, speak to that because I think that people do do that too. Like they don't want to be alone. So they're just look, they're just out here dating because of what it represents, but not necessarily looking at this person and what they bring. And, and you know, and I know you're going to close and I guess sort of my final thoughts is, is sort of piggybacking on what I would say you should replace stuff with. So I do feel like people come from this place of self-protection, self-concern that leads to these sort of defensive responses, you know, in relationships. So it becomes more like we're filling each other out, but it's more combative and versus this ideal of engagement and connection. And I and I, I would really encourage people to go back to that space of curiosity and being honest. I appreciate, you know, this young man's honesty because companionship is one of the perks of being in a relationship. Mm-hmm. What I would encourage people is there's a price for companionship. You know, it isn't just I want to be alone. What is it going to take for you to stay together? And so and I think and what's your responsibility and role in maintaining that togetherness? So like I said, I don't I love how he was like, I don't want to be alone, but I would (laughs) reframe that as I want to work on togetherness. (laughs) I I want to be alone if I can be together with someone in a healthy and whole way, because that implies not, you know, that I got to work at something and, yeah. and I work versus I'm trying to avoid something mm-hmm. because you could be in a relationship and still be alone. It's like that That's happens. Well, you want a relationship very, very alone all the time. That's so, so, so true. I do want to, I know I said that was the last question, but I do want to, you know, end on a question too, like, cause my thing is infidelity. And so mm-hmm. I'm curious to know your thoughts. Like, is it possible for, um, a relationship to, to, to gain a strong sense of commitment and trust after infidelity has occurred? And it goes back to, for me, what people choose to, you know, invest and work on. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I, I would never say I always stay from always and never. So I think depending on sort of that level of investment, because I always say too, infidelity usually represents something else. It's a symptom of something else in the relationship. Mm. Okay. So it's not necessarily, for most cases, I would yeah. say it's not necessarily like it's about I want to have sex with somebody else. It's usually I'm not getting the need met and then it gets expressed yeah. in this group, in this relationship. So I think it really comes down to can people heal, you know, from them breaches and do they want to sort of grow from? Because mm-hmm. if people, I know people who have, mm-hmm. you know, stay mm-hmm. together and, and were committed to do it doing that. And, and I and I think they had to make some decisions around what it meant to be in relationship to each other. So I think if people, going back to your first point, mature. Mm-hmm. If people can be mature, then I think there's a possibility. But if you want to stay where you're at, I don't know if that can work out in a healthy way. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow. Well, Dr. Lee, I just want to say thank you again. Um, this has been an amazing conversation, and I know we just really touched on the surface, so we'll definitely have to do this again. But, you know, before we close out, um, I want to ask you a question that I ask all my men guests on here. Um, what's more important in relationships, love or respect? To be honest, I, I want to say both, but if I can't choose that, if it's, if it's only a, a binary choice, I feel like if I get love, I'll get everything else. Hmm. Okay. Okay. You you know what? You're the first man that has actually said, chose love over respect. Mm. So, okay. Mm -hmm. That's that's really, really great. <laughs> well, before we get out of here, uh, let the people know where they can find you. Sure. Um, feel free to join us on Built For Collective on um, Instagram. We also on the web under um, B4C. So um, join us. We would love for you to follow us and, and get more information and participate in these conversations. Thank you uh, for having me too, Bri. Yes, I'm so glad you're here. All right, everyone. Um, this has been another episode of Life After Infidelity. And I am your host, Brianna Latrice. And um, yeah, if you want to reach out to me or connect with me, you can do so by finding me on IG at life underscore after underscore infidelity, or you can check out my web website at lifeafterinfidelity.net. Um, and as always, I'll see you guys on the next episode. Bye-bye. Hey, beautiful. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to follow the show so you can stay connected with a community of women who can relate to what you're experiencing. And do me a favor, take a screenshot that you were listening to the show and tag me on Instagram at life underscore after underscore infidelity underscore. I'd love to connect with you, hear your story of infidelity, and show you some love over there. Until next time, I'm your host, Brianna Latrice, reminding you that whether you choose to leave or stay after infidelity, both decisions will be hard, and I'm here to help you navigate your heart. See you next time, beautiful.